Hey, Catherine here. Quick question for you. When you started your business, did you realize how much you disliked the selling part? Pretty much every female entrepreneur I've worked with inside my signature program, Messaging That Sells, or in my one-to-one experiences, have said that they don't like selling or they find it really freaking awkward. And that they started their business because they just want to help people and they're damn good at what they do. But it's packaging that goodness up, their expertise, all of that goodness that's in their old brain of theirs, and sharing it with the world that's the hard part. They've also experienced one too many icky cold DMs and sales tactics that turn them off and they don't want to make others feel that way at all. If this sounds like you, you're in for a real treat because today's special guest, Rachel Howarth, is going to share with you how to sell your online coaching packages with ease, not sleaze. That's her saying, y'all. Rachel is a sales and growth strategist who helps online coaches, course creators, and consultants sell their offers authentically. She has a wealth of sales knowledge. She spent 17 years of her career with automotive market leader AutoTrader, where she held a number of sales manager and director roles. Most recently, Rachel ran a team of 60 sales staff, achieved a revenue budget of 97 million pounds, and played a significant role during the year AutoTrader went through IPO and became a PLC. She makes selling fun and easy. She's also the host of the Building Online Sales Success podcast that just launched this month. Rachel, like I said, is a wealth of knowledge when it comes to sales. So tune in to hear what she has to say. Cheers. After generating over a million dollars in sales and selling one of her businesses with a single email, your host, Catherine Thompson, takes an unconventional approach to marketing and sales. So if you're ready to tap into a more powerful way to be seen, heard, and a sought-after entrepreneur in your industry without having to spend endless hours marketing your business and chasing clients, you're in the right place. Be the Sought-After Entrepreneur Podcast is here to help you ditch the cookie-cutter, one-size-fits-all approach to marketing and use your unique energy to effortlessly attract the most aligned clients. When you do this, you can spend less time marketing your business and more time doing your soul work and enjoying the richness of your life. Welcome to Be the Sought After Entrepreneur Podcast. And here's your host, Katherine Thompson. Hey, hey, I am super excited to have Rachel on the show today to dive into authentic selling and how to sell and make it really easy without the sleaze. So without further ado, I'm just going to turn it right over to Rachel for you to Introduce yourself to our listeners. Let us know who you are, what you do, and who you serve. Oh, thank you, Catherine. Thank you for inviting me to be here with all your wonderful listeners. My name is Rachel Howard, and I'm a sales and business coach. I'm based over in the UK, and I work in the online space, helping coaches, course creators, consultants, and people with service-based businesses like VAs, social media managers, freelancers. I help them to, as you just said, sell with ease, not sleaze. And uh, the reason that I've kind of dedicated my whole business to doing that is that I've been in sales for 25 years. I've done the corporate thing. I've sold to small and medium-sized businesses too, as well as the real big you know, enterprises. And now I just want to see people in the online space succeed. And I know that coaches, people like you and me who sell services, I know that they struggle with sales. I know that they feel awkward and icky and just get in their own heads about it. And let's face it, if we haven't got sales in our business, we haven't got a business. So 
Totally. I just love helping people to bring in those amazing clients. I feel good doing it. Yeah. And I love your mission and your passion behind what you do. I met you months ago now through the interwebs. I joined one of your communities. I gave a training to one of your groups and I just absolutely love your passion. And you're absolutely right when you say you can't do sales or if you're not making sales in your business, you don't really have a business. And so I love your purpose and your mission to help coaches and consultants because it is if you don't have the sales background, it's not a natural thing for people to do, right? Is the sales. And sales has gotten such a bad rap with the old pushy and icky tactics that are out there. And they're still out there, if I want to be honest. I just had someone reach out the other day in DMs, a fitness person saying, hey, can I help you with your fitness goals? And I'm like, I don't even know you. And you're reaching out to me. And are you looking at my pictures and thinking I need help with fitness? Like, <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> I get fitness people all the time asking to help me with my fitness. I'm like, okay, what's going on here? <laughs> so I'm rude. Right? I know. I'm like, just connect with me a little bit. Ask what my goals are. But And we're going to dive into that. I know you're going to share with our listeners. What are some mistakes you see people making right now with sales? Okay. So where, <laughs> where should I start? Well, definitely yeah. not implying that we need to lose weight. Because that's yeah. just rude. <laughs> you, totally. Well, if it makes you feel any better, I get those DMs too. So <laughs> um, I'm not alone. I'm not alone. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So the mistakes that I see people making right now would be not having clarity. You know, like I think the word clarity is used a lot and, and I'm going to use it now, but I'm going to explain what I mean. So clarity in terms of what you sell. So getting really, really clear, setting a goal at the beginning of the month, at the beginning of the week getting really, really clear about what your own goal is, but then clarity also on who is going to benefit most from the offer that you want to sell, you know, really getting clear on who those people are, where they are when they're in their problem mindset, when they're in their problem state, and where they would be if they were in their ideal state. Because everything that you do online, on social media, in your launches, in your webinars, in your masterclasses, Everything that you do is about taking that ideal client on a journey from problem state to that ideal state that they want to be in. And so if you're not clear on how you're going to get them there and who it is that even wants to get there, then you're not going to be able to land your message. You're not going to be able to write great content. You're not going to be able to use words that you know evoke emotion and demonstrate empathy and all of the things that I know that you talk about in the work that you do too. So yeah, I think clarity for me is the word that sums all of that up. Yeah. And so when you talk about this journey, because I know a lot of people, a lot of listeners, not a lot of people talk about the customer journey. I don't see a lot of that in the online space. And I think you're so right in that People aren't looking at it like a journey from start to finish. Like, where are these people starting and how do we get them to the destination that they want to go to, so to speak, or get to the desires that they want? Can you break that down a little bit more in terms of, you know, like what people should be doing in terms of sales at the start of the journey versus middle to end of the journey? Like, is it different? <laughs> oh, it certainly is different. Yeah, absolutely. I think the statistic says that 60% of all people are unaware of the problem that they actually have right yeah. now. 
And so when you're thinking about the start of the journey, you've got to remember that six out of 10 people that aren't even really focused on the problem because they're not aware of it. So when we talk about writing content that speaks to your ideal client, you can't tell them just about their problem because they're not aware of it at that point. You need to introduce it slowly, use um, emotional words, use trigger words, use scenarios that they will recognize for them to be able to read those words or you know hear that podcast or whatever it might be that your content method is. Write it in such a way that your ideal client gets awakened to the problem that they have because they're never going to take a step forward to solve that problem if they don't understand it in the first place. So I talk about when I talk about you know customer journey and client experience, I talk about a sales bridge where on one side of the riverbank, you have your ideal client when they're in their problem state, whether they're aware of it or not, that's where they are. They're on one side of the river. On the other side of the river, you've got your ideal client when the problem is solved, the thing they're dreaming of, the thing that they want, the thing that they are you know, craving right now. And the way to get from one side of that river to the other is over a bridge. And I call that the sales bridge. Now, the problem with the sales bridge is it's a bit rickety and it's a bit old. And underneath that bridge is a river full of crocodiles and they are hungry. And your ideal client is frightened. They're looking at that river, they're looking at the crocs and they're thinking, oh, I really want to get to the other side. I really want to solve this. I really want the outcome, but I'm afraid to put a foot on the bridge. And so for you, when you're selling, for you, when you're marketing, for you, when you're trying to generate leads and you're trying to reassure your ideal client, it's okay. You need to create that sense of safety that they can put a foot on the bridge. The bridge isn't going to crumble into the water so that they get eaten and that, and that you are a safe pair of hands to take them on that journey. So yeah, I talk about the sales bridge because that really does help people to visualize where the ideal client might be right now and how they might be feeling. Yeah. And that is so true that the customer often doesn't even know what their problem is and they don't even, therefore don't know what options are even available to them to fix said problem and why clarity is so important. Again, I always talk about this in copy, right? You have to be really clear on who you're speaking to, why you're speaking to them because you have to be able to articulate those scenarios to sort of like wake them up to go, oh, I have this problem. Oh, that's a thing I'm struggling with in order to, yeah, speak their language, present them with the offer that is going to help solve their problem. And then, yeah, there's crocodiles under underneath that bridge and they're scared. And the people coming through your process, your journey have a variety of different fears. And so what would you say is the biggest fears that you've seen in the online space with online coaches, fear of buying? Like what are the fears that are stopping people from wanting to purchase? I think a lot of the time people have been burned with bad programs or bad courses that they haven't finished or that haven't really delivered what was promised. And for every coach that they find inspiring and motivating, there's probably two or three (laughs) that they don't. And so they're afraid of making a bad choice. They're afraid of wasting money. They're afraid of not being able to commit the time to the program. And they, you know, they come up with all sorts of excuses to mask that. But the reality is sometimes that we want the outcome, 
but we're not really fully committed to the work it takes to get there. So a lot of the time, my clients will say, I want to do a 200K year, Rachel, can you help me to get there? And I will ask them, you know, how committed are they to that goal and how many hours a week do they want to put to that goal, that project? And um, sometimes the goal and the commitment and the actions are far from aligned. So yeah, I think people are just frightened of making a mistake and not being able to fully commit. Yeah. Do you think that like some of the messaging and sales tactics in the market right now play into that like misalignment of expectations? Because I get that a lot with clients that come to me with similar ideas of I want this in my business, or I need to get more traffic, I need to have more sales in my business, can you help me write messaging and copy that will do that. And But when we get down to the nitty gritty of their goal and how they're going to get there, you're right. Their expectations of how to get there do not align with the goal itself. They're totally out of alignment. And I often wonder, and I don't know this for certain, but I often wonder, is it because there's lots of like hit 10K in two weeks or hit 10K in five months or what? Like these very bold promises. And then people think, well, yeah, I want 10K in a month or I want, you know, 100K cash months. (laughs) Do you think that the messaging, some of that messaging is playing into that misalignment or yeah, lack of kind of connecting that expectation with goal? Yeah, I do. I do think that. I think that sometimes the messaging that we hear online makes it sound easy. It makes it sound One of the terms that we see talked about a lot is passive, you know, create passive income, you know, build online courses for passive income. And that makes me a bit cross because when you build an online course for passive income, you sign yourself up to being a marketing director and and having to be an amazing marketeer because, of course, you've built the product, but you've still got to get people to it. You've still got to get traffic to the landing page and build a landing page that converts. And and that's without even thinking about that your program has to deliver results so that you get testimonials and social proof. So there is nothing passive about an online course. There's a lot of work that goes into it. And I think you're right, Catherine, that the expectations are set very, very high. And then when the reality kicks in, that it is hard work. You're not going to get a 10K day without lots of work. Yet we see people online all the time celebrating a 10K day and not really going into the detail around exactly how they did it. I think that that saying comes to mind. I forget what it is now, but, you know, it takes years to be an overnight success, you know, because there is no such thing as an overnight success. Yeah. And it's so true that like, I love your transparency and it does take work. And I think, you know, the last podcast episode, a person I had on said the same thing, like, we glamorize entrepreneurship and we glamorize this online business space. And yet we're not showing behind the scenes of the actual labor and work that goes into it. And you're right. The minute you decide to start an online business or any business for that matter, you have to put that marketing hat on. And for the majority of people who start a business, they don't have the marketing or sales background in it. And so what would you say? I know you talked about your bridge, like, what what are some recommendations for building that trust? You've got these people that are coming in, but now because the market, online space market is competitive, building trust is a big part of, you know, selling, relationship building. So what are some things that people can do to build that trust with their audience? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. 
I think the latest stat that I heard, and this stat changes all the time, yeah, it's that seven to 20 touch points is the number of touch points that it takes to build enough trust for somebody to buy. And so, you know, seven doesn't sound so bad, does it? But 20, that sounds like a lot. And, you know, we all trust in different ways. We all start from a different perspective. And yeah, 20 sounds like a lot. But if you think about how you could make up that 20 touch points and you think about the written content, you think about video content, you think about audio content, you think about all the other things that we can do to create those touch points like really great nurture sequences in your email and all the other things that we can do, you know, like direct messages. 20 touch points can actually happen quite quickly when you really sit down and map out that customer journey. So I think you just need to be intentional about how you feel the most comfortable to build that trust. If you don't enjoy showing up on video, don't do it. If you don't enjoy audio and podcasting or clubhouse and, you know, speaking your content, don't do it. If you don't enjoy writing, don't have write a book on your goal list. You know, (laughs) I think we've all got to create our content in the way that we feel the most comfortable. But with that said, I must point out what I believe to be true, which is that as human beings, we connect more when we see our faces when we look into the whites of somebody's eyes and when we hear their voice. And so for me, that is a great reason why, you know, we're both sat here on a podcast because we understand that our voices carry such weight and credibility and connect with people. And it's why we both go out of our way to show up on video, because again, we know that people are going to connect more with us in that way. So, you know, to any of your listeners that are sat there thinking, well, she just said, do the content I enjoy. But now she's saying, go on audio and do video. Well, the truth is, if you do audio and video, you will connect faster. That is what I believe to be true and have tested. And I know, I know that it works. Yeah, there is something that is so powerful when you can hear somebody's voice. And like you said, look them in their eyes. I love video for that reason. I love a podcast for that video. There are ways though that you can record your voice without being seen, right? A podcast is just that. And it doesn't have to be, you know, a 40 minute thing or an hour thing. It can be like a 15 minute quick tips or even doing stories, right? Where they can hear your voice or see bits of your house or see where you live. Like that creates a connection and relatability of like, oh, you know, I feel that person. I feel how genuine and how authentic they are. And so, so important. And I think once you do video and show up, you get over some of the fears. I think, you know, there's a difference between not wanting to do something because it's not in alignment and then not wanting to do something because you're terrified of it. Because I think that the fear is going to stop you (laughs) from doing things that maybe you might really enjoy. And so it's deciphering do I just not want to show up on video because I don't like the way that I look? I don't like the way that I sound. I mean, that's a whole nother ball game. There's fear there, something limiting that's holding you back versus, you know, I don't want to write long content or I don't want to send out five emails, you know, a month. Like that's where you can start to play with, okay, what is authentic to you and what isn't authentic to you or what is fear and and what isn't fear. So What would you say is, you know, like important tips or tricks for somebody 
for selling, to improve their selling. If they are, they just don't feel good about it and they don't know how to do it. It's really awkward for them. (laughs) First of all, encourage people to remember is that selling is not about money. It's not about persuasion. It's not about influence or making somebody do something that they don't want to do. It's not even about pitching. It's about coaching, actually. Sales is a coaching conversation. It's about helping somebody to navigate a journey that they couldn't make without you. They can't make that step without you. They need you to help them to feel empowered, to feel nurtured, to feel trustworthy of you know what's, what's about to happen. They are going to be making an investment. They're doing that in an informed way because they believe that there's a return on investment going to happen. So they need to be clear about the results. So yeah, I would just encourage everybody to remember that sales is coaching. Sales is serving. Sales is about helping. Years ago, sales would be seen as you know negotiation and those hard tactics. But I think in today's world, to be good at selling means to be good at showing empathy and listening and understanding. And um, the final point I'll make is that really good people that come from a place of authenticity and integrity, they turn people down. I think I've turned down $20,000 in the last few months. And I've done that for perfectly good reasons, because I could see it wasn't a good fit. You know, I haven't just said, sorry, I'm not working with you. Goodbye. I make sure that I've got people in my network that I can refer people to. But I think you know that you've got integrity and that you're operating from a place of zero scarcity when you can turn down a client for all the right reasons. Yeah. And it's so interesting that you bring that up because I think, I mean, I turn people down all the time and people are like, what? And I was like, yeah, if they're not a good fit. And like you said, I don't just say, oh, sorry, I'm not working with you, but I offer a referral or, you know, check out this or this person might be able to help you with this. And it's just so important to do that because I think that, like you said, you operate from a place of inauthenticity when you're taking just on anybody, right? And it is a place of scarcity. You touched on, it had to do, I think, with integrity and promise. Yeah. So you talked about integrity and the promise that you deliver and building sort of that trust. Do you find that there are people that over promise and under deliver in the online space? And like, what does that look like, I guess, right? Like, how can somebody really make sure that the promise that they're delivering is something that they can actually deliver on? Yeah, I I think, that, I mean, that's an incredible question. I think that really starts probably in the sales call, the discovery call, breakthrough call, you know, whatever you call it. In that call, you need to hear your ideal client articulate exactly what it is that they want. And you need to be able to mentally tick off the boxes in your head of, can I really do that? Does my program really do that? And if it doesn't, you have to say, I don't think it's for you right now. Or you have to say, um, I don't think this is for you in its exact format, but actually I'm go- I'm going to adapt it for you. I did that with somebody a little while ago. I do a 12-week one-to-one called Attracting Clients with Ease. And somebody came to me and when they shared what capacity they had in their working week to fit in, you know, new things, new projects, learning, all the homework that I would give them, I could tell that they didn't have the capacity, but I knew that I could help them. And I knew that within their timeframes that 
it wouldn't matter to them if I suggested that we did a fortnightly session instead. So they went ahead with that program, but I adapted it to suit them so that we'd do 12 sessions for over 24 weeks and they would still get the outcome. So I think if you really truly listen to what somebody needs and what they want, if you know that you can deliver it and you need to just tweak it or adjust it and find a way to help them, then I think that demonstrates integrity too. Yeah. And really, like, I feel like is really detaching from, like you said, sort of that outcome. Like it isn't about making the money or landing the sale. It, it is about coaching and it is about really listening to what the person wants. And when you are detached from the outcome, I feel like you can hear it better because I feel like when you're gripping that outcome, like I need this sale in my business or it's going to say that I suck or I'm not good at what I do or all the stories we tell ourselves when we don't make the sale for whatever reason, but the really not making a sale has nothing to do with you or anybody else. It has to do with whether that person was a good fit or not. And I truly believe that people that choose not to buy either aren't ready at the time and I don't want to force them into buying or convince them, right? And so you brought up the words like persuasion and influence because I think there's a lot of messaging out there of like persuade your person or influence them to make the decision or bust the objection so that they eventually come into your program. Like, what are your thoughts on that? I think that we should never want the outcome more than the client. So we should never want the goal for them because it means we get a sale. We should never want it more than them. And this is really demonstrated in a situation that I had a couple of weeks ago. And the person's emailed me today. It was about three weeks ago. And somebody sent me an email in response to, we were talking about him joining my group coaching accelerator. And he said, what I really need, Rachel, is for you to sell this to me because I've been in a big program before and, you know, I didn't get what I wanted and I I need you to sell this to me a bit more. And I went back to him and said, I'm not going to do that. I don't need to sell it to you because we've already talked about it. I don't want the result for you more than you. You have to want it. And at this point, you know enough to know whether you want it or whether you don't. So it's not about me selling it to you. I'm not going to hard pitch you. It's got nothing to do with any of that. It's got to do with you really sitting and reflecting and thinking about how badly do you want the goal and are you prepared to do the work to get there? And uh, today, this person's come back to me and said, I am prepared to do the work. Let's go ahead. Brilliant. I don't follow people up, you know, and it would probably surprise everybody to know that a sales coach, someone who's been in sales, in corporate sales, I've sold million pound contracts. I don't feel like I've sold anything in years because I just don't sell in that way. People ask to buy. I don't have to sell things so I can feel good about it. But I don't follow people up because I know that I've done the right things before that point. And if I have to follow them up, then it's not right for them because my ideal client is an action taker. My ideal client is somebody that shows up 10 minutes before a meeting with their notepad and their coffee ready to go. They're not somebody that drags their ass out of bed and is late for our one-to-ones and hasn't done the work. That's not my ideal client. I don't need to hard sell those people. They know that they want it. Brilliant. I want to dive into this not following up because I've had so many conversations around this because people always ask me like, what do you do? And like, how do you make these sales? And how does it happen? And I say the same thing. And I've had sales coaches tell me that I need to DM and I need to, you know, do all this lead tracking and I need to reach out to all these people. And I'm like, I am not doing that. 
Like I am not doing that because my ideal client is the high achieving action taker, the person that is operating in full integrity, that does what they say they're going to do, shows up the way they say they're going to show up, doesn't miss meetings, does, you know, all of that. And so I don't do the follow-ups and people always look at me and they're like, you're crazy. Like you're leaving money on the table. And I'm like, I'm leaving the wrong kind of money on the table because I can sell and I can do the hard selling and I can hard pitch somebody and I can convince people to buy if I really wanted to. I don't want to do that. And I don't want to operate from that. So I want you to dive into a little bit more about like the not follow up. Is there anything else that you do that's like unconventional when it comes to sales? Like not following up or what is your sales process, I guess? <laughs> so I, I love that. I teach a sales process that I call Cupid, which is yep. a very consultative style of selling. And Cupid stands for connect, understand, present, isolate and diarize. And simple five steps, really easy to align that to a discovery call of 15 minutes, 30 minutes, or 45 minutes, depending on you know what that looks like in anyone's business. And it really is centered around asking the right questions in an empowering way, so that when you hear the answers, you can ascertain in your own mind, is this person right for me? So the sales call is more like an interview. You know, it's not you begging them to work with you or even asking them to work with you. It's a two-way street. It's an interview. And it needs to feel like an interview to them, you know. In fact, I've moved my group coaching accelerator application only now. People have to apply because, you know, I need only the right kind of people. So the sales call is no different. Treat it like an interview. Ask the right questions. One of the things that I do suggest that people do, which I haven't heard many sales coaches or business coaches talk about, and that is the power of a summary. So playing back in the sales call what you've heard from somebody. So after you've asked the, you know, the open questions, the big, powerful questions to draw out what they want, why they want it, what's stopping them from getting it, all those normal questions that I think we would all know to ask. But when you've asked those questions and you've truly listened, and listening is the key to this, you can play back what you've learned. So it would sound something like, you know, if it was me and you in the call, I'd say, Catherine, I'm just going to play back to you what I think you've told me. You've told me that you want to reach 20K a month every month for the next year. You've told me that you're already at X number of you know dollars per month. You've told me that you've tried X, Y, and Z, and that those things are working a little bit, but not as much as you want. You've told me that you struggle to generate enough leads into your email list. You've told me that you've got a podcast, that you've got some amazing listeners. And together, we've mapped out a little bit about what your sales journey could look like. Have I understood correctly exactly where you are and what you want? And when you say, wow, Rachel, you've really listened to me. That's exactly what I want. Then and only then would I then say, well, the good news is, is I'm really confident I can get you there. That's the first you know, bit of good news. I'm confident I can get you there. I'm very happy that I work with you because I feel like we have to be a good fit together. Are you open to hearing how I could help you with that? And so I'm getting permission to invite you to my offer. And only when you say, yes, I am open to hearing that, would I pitch a program? And I think that is such a skill because it involves listening, 
It involves being able to do an articulate summary and it involves being patient and waiting for them to give you permission. And so many people don't do that. They just dive into a pitch and then get a no and feel disappointed that they got a no. And they don't really know what they did wrong because they feel like they've asked all the right questions. It's just that they missed out that vital step in between. Yeah. And I think that, you know, the building the trust comes from clients or people coming to you and feeling seen and heard. And they can't feel seen and heard if they don't feel like you've even listened to them or if you're putting your need of needing to get the sale in front of them. And they'll feel that. They'll feel that on the call if you're like diving in and the permission. I love the permission. Can I send you this? Are you open to this? Right? Because that invites them into the doorway, right? And it's a two-way street. And I remember I used to apply for jobs all the time when I was working in corporate. And people were like, why do you apply for all these jobs? I'm like, I love the interview process. I love looking at different options and I'm not going to take them all. And I would turn down jobs. I would say, no, sorry, I don't want that. And people would go, why did you go to the interview? And I said, it's just that it's an interview. It's a two way street. Yeah. They're looking for somebody, but I also need to know that it's a good fit and people would, it would blow their minds that I would look at job interviews like that. And I look at sales the same way, right? It's like, I don't need that job that much. If it's going to be, if I'm, if it's not going to be a good fit for me. Right. So I do sales the same way. And I love that. Yeah. You don't do the follow-ups and that you set your journey up in a way that really does attract the right people. And if it doesn't, then you can weed them out, so to speak, or redirect them is a better word is redirect them into another path that fits, fits for them. So, um, yeah, you've dropped some like amazing sales bombs on our listeners today. So I love it. So I have a couple more questions for you before we wrap up. The online industry, I think, has boomed over the last year. What do you feel like it's going to take for online coaches and consultants to be really successful now? Oh, that is a really good question. I think being adaptive and flexible is important. I think there are now so many different ways that we can build our audiences, create communities, you know, nurture the trust. There are so many different ways that we can do that. I think that we need to be ready to adapt to what our audience want. And that for me is the key. We are not the boss. We are not the writer of our destiny. Our audience tell us what they're ready for, what they're not ready for. And so if we have built that audience of fans, of ideal clients and future clients, then they will dictate to us. They'll vote with their feet or their fingers. You know, if they're clicking on buttons, they will vote for what they enjoy and what they don't enjoy. And so if you notice over the course of the next, you know, few months, year, three years, that your lead generation is changing, that certain sales pages aren't converting in the same way, that your email sequence isn't delivering in the same way, that's your audience telling you that they're ready for something different. And I think As coaches and as online service providers, we've got to look out for those signs because if we don't, well, then our little slice of the $36 billion pie or whatever it is now, our little slice of that will just get smaller and smaller. So some of the trends that I'm seeing are for us to introduce video and audio more into our sequences. So I don't think 
sequences like sign up for my five page ebook and then I'm going to hammer you with eight emails. I don't see that working anymore unless you introduce things within that email sequence that really accelerate the trust, like a video masterclass, for example. So if you have a five page ebook and it's a really amazing ebook, I'm not saying throw it in the trash. What I'm saying is in that first email that you deliver, give them the opportunity to watch a video of you where you might tell a story or you might inspire them with something that they could do after they've used or read your ebook. So think about how you can adapt, how you can be creative. And all of the time, you know, the end result that you're looking for is to accelerate the trust. So, uh, yeah, that's one of the, one of the things that I'm seeing happening. Yeah. I talk about this often with people of like saturation in the market. And I know I say in the spiritual and personal development, there's like that toxic positivity. And I see like that sort of flooding into the online business space, like there's room for everybody. And I do believe there is room for everybody. But I also do believe that as business owners, we do need to be adaptable because what worked in 2019 or 2018 sales marketing tactics wise online, like you said, selling an ebook that then goes to eight emails to then to a buy isn't there anymore, that the tactics are shifting, the way in which we market online is evolving. And so looking at your messaging and marketing and sales as an, like I always say, an evolving ecosystem, like you need to adapt and change and experiment with what's working. And I love the whole concept of adding video or something like that, a touch point where they're not just getting a a physical copy where they're reading a book or whatnot. Because I do, like I said, I do believe that looking into someone's eyes and hearing their voice and seeing their face and also like did they pay somebody to write that book for them? You don't really know. You can tell pretty quickly whether somebody knows what they're talking about when they're talking about it because they can see you. You can't fake that. Whereas you could hire out and get someone to write your ebook for you and put together for you. You can get someone to write your copy. I always say that. You can fake strategy and you can fake the even the words, but people can feel when they hear you and they see you. And so, so important to sort of integrate that into your marketing and sales and customer customer journey. So, and the final question I love before wrapping up is I'm on a bit of a mission to redefine success in the online space, in the entrepreneurial space. So I'd love to hear what your definition of success is. Oh, my definition of success. Well, I, do you know what? I think it's a moving target. You know, it certainly is for me. If you ask me, when do I feel, at what points in my day, my week, my month, do I feel the most successful? It's when I'm sat in the hot tub at two o'clock in the afternoon. Love it. It's when I'm having a bubble bath and I really should be working. It's For me, success is, yeah, it changes, it moves. I feel successful when I'm able to just walk away from my desk and go and spend time with my family or go and sit in the hot tub and reflect on conversations that I've had that morning. So yeah, I think for me, success is about time and memories and reflections. It's certainly not about checking my bank balance. It's not about how many clients are in my group accelerator. You know, maybe it should be, maybe that should be my definition of success, but I don't think it is. And I don't think it is for my clients either. A lot of my clients are mums. A lot of my clients, you know, when we have our, actually it's Thursday, isn't it? Today, we're, 
when we have our group coaching call on a Thursday evening, pretty much everybody on the call has got pets on the keyboard and kids on the lap, you know? And I think that is success. You know, when you can surround yourself with people that you want to hang out with, but still be developing yourself, still be growing, still be achieving your goals and your ambitions, and to not feel like you've got to segment your life into boxes, that you can do all things. And I think as women, that's even more important that we can be mums, we can be wives, brothers, sisters, you know, we can have all the family around us and we can still grow amazing businesses. So Yes. Love it. Success for me is an afternoon hot tub. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And I'm not a bank checker or client, you know, tracker. This is how many people I have and all that. I am very much about, I call it the simple things, right? It's like the time, the memories, being able to, you know, my spouses took today and tomorrow off. I'm working most of today, but tomorrow we're going to go explore. You know, it's being able to do that on a Friday because I can. And so I love the simplicity. I say simplicity of your success or definition of success and that it is a moving target and it does change day to day, depending on the day. It could be a bubble bath. I absolutely love bubble baths as well. So I've had such a pleasure connecting with you. I cannot wait for our listeners to hear this episode. Where can they find you if they want to connect with you? Oh, they can find me pretty much everywhere. (laughs) I've just launched my own podcast called Building Online Sales Success. So if they want to hear more about sales and, you know, how to be successful in the online space, my podcast is a very stripped back version of business tips and strategy. So I like to keep it real on my podcast. You'll also find me on Instagram. That's probably my favorite social media platform. My handle over there is um, at my sales mentor. I've also got a Facebook group, a Facebook page, LinkedIn, Pinterest, YouTube, you name it, Catherine. You're everywhere. <laughs> I've got it going on. <laughs> but um, yeah, Instagram is probably my, my favorite place to hang out. And you'll find me every day teaching in my stories and, you know, supporting my audience through my stories and IGTVs. So yeah. Love it. You're all the places they can find you. And we're going to link those up in the show notes and definitely go take a listen to Rachel's podcast, which just launched. I was binge listening to it. I learned so much from you, even though I am a seasoned salesperson, I still learn so much from you. And I love how you keep it real. And I think our my audience will appreciate that because my audience is all, all about keeping things real and transparent and authentic. So really appreciate having you on the show. And I cannot wait for this episode to drop. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Like, really enjoyed it. Don't you love how simplified and easy Rachel breaks down the sales process? That's what originally drew me to her, along with the fact that we're so aligned when it comes to selling with integrity and authenticity. Here's the thing, y'all. Sales is inevitable if you own a business, so you can't avoid it even if you want to. So I'm inviting you to lean into loving sales or learning at least how to love sales and how to do sales in your own authentic way without feeling sort of icky and awkward about it. Now, on episode number 23, I have another special guest on, Dr. Ty Belknap, to share how he built a completely virtual team and to demystify SEO, also known as search engine optimization. But before you rush off, I have a real favor to ask. If you loved this episode, please share a screenshot of you listening to it in your stories on Instagram and tag me so that I can share the love. This helps me know that you're enjoying and finding value in the content that we are sharing. Cheers. Thanks for listening. 
We'll see you right back here next time. You can also find us on social media at Creatively Owned and online at creativelyowned.com. Until next time, keep showing up as your authentic self.